0: Because, like, I never had Brussels sprouts growing up. Right. I think we talked about it on the pod before, but, like, I literally have never had Brussels sprouts before this year. Right. <laughs> I am almost 30 years old. I went almost 30 years never even touching them. Man. And, yeah, it just turns it's, out that but I they're just, awesome. Yeah.
1: What a great just Never had exposure. Yeah. That's really nice. You know, I'm that way, I'm that way with, um, what have I never, like, I I mean, I guess this is a little bit less surprising, but like, pl- things like plantains or any kind mm-hmm. of non-button white mushroom, I haven't tried until like, the, um, you know, last year either. I just have never had the opportunity or desire to, <laughs> to try any of it. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's interesting as an adult because you have those moments where you're like, hold on a second, do I not eat this because... I actually don't like it or mm-hmm. because I've just never been exposed to it before and I assumed that it was yucky. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Don't know which one it is. <laughs> Guess we gotta find out. The only one we and can find And see for ourselves. <laughs> Have an adventure. Yeah. An adventure in vegetables.
1: Food adventures are so much fun.
0: I love them so much. We went to Ikea a few weeks ago, oh, my wow. my mother and my sister and I. And so we ate at the cafe there. And, you know, they, they have the dessert first, so you pick out your cake or whatever. And they have mini princess cakes. But I didn't realize what it was at first, not until I started eating it. And I looked at it, and it's, of course, this bright yellow fondant covering this cake. Mm. And that's all it is, is this dome that's got this layer of fondant over it. I don't like. And that I was like, oh, what is that? And my sister started to describe it to me, and I was like, no, wait, no. I'm gonna buy it, and I'm gonna eat it, and mm. it's gonna be a mystery dessert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I ate it, and it turns out it was a princess cake.
1: So, I, I mean, can, yeah, it's literally just like cake covered in fondant, or there's like no so, food or anything?
0: A princess cake is kind of interesting in that it has um, a sponge layer, like a sponge cake layer in it, mm-hmm. and then it usually has like a layer of jam or fruit filling or something and then it has a dome of like a whipped cream or a custard usually whipped cream though right. on top of that and you have to form the whipped cream in a dome because then the <laughs> fondant goes on top of that right and so they're domed cakes that's and weird. they're very delicate but they're really good I'm, and, like, I'm intrigued yeah the the fondant is usually high quality like homemade stuff yeah so yeah
1: that's it's, that's good i don't like the I don't like any type of fondant I've ever tried. Like at weddings, usually, and it's just yeah, no, not
0: like wedding. Yeah, wedding cake fondant is not good. It's at just all. made
1: to look pretty, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, but this stuff was pretty good. So if you ever go to IKEA, yes, like that's that would be a good thing to try. I'm curious. Yeah, adventures. The food
1: adventures at IKEA. Yeah. Adventures.
0: Speaking of adventures. <laughs> Oh there it is. Haha <gasps> Should we
1: record? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, I guess I'm, I'm not biased against Marvel, but I'm not huge on superhero movies. So when you told me that you wanted to talk about this, I was both like, huh, okay. And like, you know, whatever. And super excited as well because I i don't know. There's something about listening to someone um, talk about something they're really passionate about. I don't really care what the subject matter is. Like as long as you can see like, how much it means to them. I really enjoy listening and learning from them. And oh, I yeah. am kind of, like, looking forward to you convincing me of um, going and watching, you know, superhero movies now.
0: Yay! I'm excited for this. Yeah. So, yeah, today we're talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's going to get a little in-depth. I think that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is kind of... Um, it doesn't cover quite the total subject matter that we're going to go over but that's going to be the main focus because we have a very big movie coming up here in a couple of weeks
1: oh yeah it is the
0: yes it is the third avengers movie um the fourth if you're going to be like most marvel cinematic (coughs) universe fans and count uh the captain america civil war as Mm -hmm. a avengers movie and it is a two-parter which normally i am like Eh. (laughs) i know i am just like there are like two things if i had a time machine and i could go back in time and stop like culturally speaking i mean obviously there are things in history that i would change if i had a time machine and be like no let's make sure that the holocaust never happened but if I had to do something like trivial, you know, like, hey, don't influence history in a major way, right. I'd be like, okay, the two things that I would do is I would smack whoever came up with White Elephant Gift Exchange. <laughs> we don't need any of that garbage around the holidays. Oh, that's funny. And then the second thing I would do is I would smack whoever decided it was okay to split the second Pirates of the Caribbean movie into two films. Oh my God. Because everybody left the theater after that second Pirates of the Caribbean movie going, where's the end?
1: Oh, no.
0: Where's the end? And it turns out they split it into two movies. And that made it okay from then on out for filmmakers to make two films for whatever. So, you know, we got two Harry Potter films for the last Mm -hmm. installment and two Twilight films for the last installment we got three films for the Hobbit movie adaptation, which was redonkulous. Yeah. We didn't yeah. need that. Um, but strangely enough, like, I am actually kind of looking forward to Avengers Infinity War being split into two movies. Hmm. And I'll get to that a little later on. Okay. But this is why we want to talk about this today. Or why I want to talk about this today is because this is kind of the culmination of everything everything that has happened over the last 10 years and uh it's possible that the movie will change the franchise in a way that'll move it into a different and hopefully more interesting direction (laughs) which again i will talk about a little later on uh but for now let's talk about the history of marvel comics let's do it how did we how did we even end up here why are we here talking about this where
1: did we come from (laughs)
0: So very uh, quickly, I'm probably not going to spend more than about 10 minutes on this. The first Marvel comic was printed back in 1939 and actually featured a very early version of the character The Human Torch, who at the time was an android and not a cosmically radiated human being. The company didn't become known as Marvel Comics until 1961, so almost uh, a little over 20 years later. (sighs) Which, coincidentally, was also the year that Stan Lee started doing comics for Marvel Comics. Oh, wow. Uh, his focus was on making comics that appealed to older audiences as well as children, which ended up obviously being a really huge success. And for those who don't know, Stan Lee is that old guy that appears in every single <laughs> Marvel movie. Has that, that cameo doing whatever goofy thing he's doing. Right. He is an executive producer on all of the movies just because his influence in comics has been so massively huge.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Obviously, there's a long history of comics in general that you know we could go into, but that's not what we're talking about today. Uh, I'm not going to talk about like the history of DC Comics or Archie Comics or anything like that, but I will acknowledge that they existed for the sake of this next point. In the mid-90s the industry as a whole started to slump in a major way. DC had to pull this really crappy stunt in the mid-90s to sell comics that they called the Death of Superman, which altered comics in a way that we've never really been able to recover from. And I'm not going to talk about it too much, but it's basically about death in comics in general and how death is not permanent anymore. Rather than talk about it, I'm going to link on the Twitter a great 20-minute video where screenwriter and director Max Landis rants about it, Um, and it's just really funny. Cool. Um, If you're listening to this and you're just kind of like, eh, I don't really need to listen to a nerd go into a nerd rage over comics – Here's a little something to entice you. He gets some of his celebrity friends to, like, do this video with him. Cool. And at one point, you get to watch Elijah Wood run through a parking garage with his arms in front of him like he's pretending to fly away. <laughs> like, it's super low budget, but you see all of these, like, notable actors really, and actresses.
1: Really
0: high profile. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And they have, like, really cheap costumes and stuff, and they basically, like, um... They lip-sync to the things that Max Landis is saying. And so, like, they don't even have their own dialogue. It's just, it's really funny. I very strongly recommend taking the 20 minutes to watch it. Like I said, I'll link to it on the the Twitter. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it got so bad for Marvel Comics, because they didn't really do an event like that, that they had to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in the 90s. Mm. So this is how we get into the mess that everyone is seeing today with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. In order to recoup some of the losses that the company had experienced, they sold off the movie rights to different movie companies that were basically willing to buy whatever. They were like, yeah, this character sounds cool. We might be able to do something with them. So currently, Sony owns the movie rights to Spider-Man. 20th Century Fox has X-Men, Fantastic Four, and Deadpool and disney owns just about everything else while this move certainly did help the company this is also how we ended up with the clown fiesta that we have now what with anywhere from four to six marvel related movies coming out every single year and like this isn't even counting all of the tv shows and like hulu and netflix franchises either these are just movies (laughs) Which is ridiculous. That's an average of one Marvel movie every two months. That's, yeah, it's, it's silly. It's,
1: it's just redonk.
0: It's, it's redonk. <laughs> For a very, very long time, DC Comics kind of had the whole superhero movie thing on lockdown. And even then, I think I'm being kind of generous with that, given that the two most successful and recognizable heroes that hogged the screen were Batman and Superman. Superman had a really successful run of movies with the very handsome Christopher Reeves Mm. playing Superman and John Williams writing the score for the movies. Ah, Good old John Williams. I know. And I will admit, as much as I am kind of like lukewarm about John Williams, anytime I hear the Superman theme start up, I'm like, yeah, you know, this was actually pretty good. Yeah, it was
1: a pretty big deal. Yeah, he's got some great ones.
0: Batman ended up being a perfect character for the late 80s and the 90s since he fits so well into the dark brooding role, which is a flavor that the comics had given him in the 80s, but also the very cartoonish roles that we see in Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, thanks to the history it had in the 60s with the Adam West series, which was also a very popular TV series. Yeah. So Batman's been great because, like, he just adjusts depending on, like, the audience at the time
1: right
0: and superman is just kind of like the classic boy scout and i don't remember if we've talked about it on the pod or not but like superman is so boring so boring oh my gosh yeah no thank you
1: yeah nothing's it's nothing's at stake
0: (laughs) right but i still kind of get it like people like you know I I don't know if I should even say people, there are some people that really like Superman because he's the all-around good guy that's super strong and invulnerable and he always makes the right decision, blah, 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 I don't know. Yeah, I just don't see it, I don't feel it. Yeah, there's no struggle, but that doesn't stop these characters from being really popular, Batman also ended up having an animated series in the 90s that was really insanely popular. Batman, the animated series. Like, a lot of people, when they talk about Batman and like who the definitive Batman is, they'll often reference that animated television series as being like, that is the perfect version of batman where he is just dark enough but he's also really caring about those that are downtrodden and also like you get to see bruce wayne every once in a while and the bruce wayne characterization is also really good like it's just extremely well-rounded that is actually the television series that also brought us harley quinn Ah. which is kind of notable because most characters Start out in the comics before they make it to the screen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it ended up being backwards this time. She was so very popular that comic writers were like, Well, now that the TV series is over, we don't want to get rid of this character. Right. That's so cool. So they cool. just picked her up and kept going. Yeah, it was just really, really cool. Uh, after that, there was a Justice League animated series. And anyway, all of this is to say, I have not talked about Marvel once so far, because like they just really didn't have anything. Right. They had, uh, I mean, they had the Spider-Man cartoon, which I think most people only know of because of all of the memes. Oh yeah. That you see. Oh yeah. Of just like the really, really poor production quality from Mm -hmm. those episodes. Oh my gosh. I think my favorite one is the one, uh, you know, and it's great because, like, out of context, they're all just really ridiculous. I don't even know if they're less ridiculous in context because they just look so silly.
1: Yeah, there's just, uh, yeah, there's some, there's just some, like, shots that you just can't imagine, like, it ever having looked okay or good or high quality. (laughs) With my favorite one
0: being the gif of him, like, webbing... A window, punching it so it breaks, which I don't know why you have to web it before you punch it. Maybe it's like
1: the tension of how strong the web is. I don't know. Maybe it just compromises the integrity of the glass.
0: (laughs) Maybe. And if it stopped there, I would be like, okay, with the suspension of disbelief for that. But then he proceeds to open the window, just grabs the frame and slides it up. (laughs) <laughs>
1: it's like what? Wait, what what'd you do that for what <laughs> Why did you do that that's pretty
0: great oh, i love it i think i don't know i think maybe there was a time traveler working for that studio that just knew that like the future needed this animated tv series mm-hmm. <laughs> for the internet yeah. to just go hog and wild to on them. thanks to them yes um there was also an x-men cartoon uh, in the 90s, that was like super duper 90s, where like the costumes were all comic accurate and so they were like bright neon colors. <laughs> and of course, being in the 90s, everybody's like using super 90s slang. Oh, yeah, that's totally awesome! You're looking so fresh.
1: Oh man, that's how I talk now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Carmen, you were just born in the wrong decade.
1: Uh-oh. Oh, man. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I <laughs> you needed
0: to be born 10 years earlier.
1: <laughs> I, I actually would have liked that probably quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Superhero franchises on the screen was really just dominated by DC for a very, very long time. And there were some comic book movies that had come out, but they were just kind of bad. Nobody really liked them. And then the year 2000 happened. X-Men came out, and I am just barely old enough to remember some of the hubbub surrounding the movie. It was a big freaking deal. Mm -hmm. Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, and Anna Paquin were pretty much the only actors that were even a little bit recognizable at the time. And I know that we look back at it now and we think like, well, you know, Hugh Jackman and Halle Berry were in the movies, and Ellen Page was also briefly in the film. But You have to remember that Halle Berry didn't get major recognition until a year later for Monsters Ball, Hmm. and Hugh Jackman had been in fewer than five movies before that. He was a stage actor. He wasn't a film star, much less an action film star. Like, that was ridiculous. He was in musicals. (laughs) Like, who was the casting director that looked at Hugh Jackman and was like, yep, there's our short, angry dude that likes to slash things.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I, it it, uh, it kind of works for me. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, it, and it
0: works now, but at the time, it was just like... Why? 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 <laughs> Out of all of the people that you could have cast, like, you chose, like, somebody who... You know, and the reason why I bring up stage acting is because stage acting is very different than screen oh, acting. Yeah. Extremely different. Because you have to be over the top, you know, you have to be super expressive. Mm-hmm. Whereas movies, you can tone it down a little
1: yeah, bit. Yeah, you can be more subtle, they catch more things.
0: Exactly.
1: Um, I, if, who would you have had, I mean, I mean, if you were one of the angry nerds that was like... Why is he, like, why Why would you ever think about taking Hugh Jackman? <laughs> Who would you have asserted would have been a much better choice at the time? Oh, man. At the time.
0: Shoot. I, I hadn't really thought about this. I can't really
1: honestly think of a lot of, I can't, here, let's see. When did that, when did you say that came out? 2000. Top actors of 2000. We got Leo, um, Gary Oldman. Mark Wahlberg, I think, I mean, yeah. I I don't I don't like Mark Wahlberg a lot, but I think he um ha- I don't know. I think he could probably get a little angry and have an attitude, you know. Johnny Depp, yeah. Matt Damon, Denzel Washington, so everybody from today. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <pretty much. laughs> This is not helpful.
0: <laughs> no. And I like I can't believe I'm actually saying this. Um but this was actually before Nick Cage had started to become a bit of a joke.
1: Oh, I think he probably and could... oh man.
0: yeah, I would have liked to have seen that. And I't like I don't really see him pulling off the look, but, but the attitude the attitude yeah. I think he could have done.
1: Yeah, he's not, he's not there, yeah, he, I don't think the look would have been quite right. He's not I, I don't know. they made it maybe could have made it work, maybe. Yeah. It's just all about how you shoot it.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, at the time, like, the most interesting guy that people talked about in the movie was the guy that played Toad. Because he was also the guy that played Darth Maul in Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Weird. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know it's a really weird, like, point. But, like, again... All of the actors that we look at now and we're like, oh, yeah, no, like they were in X-Men, you know, it's kind of interesting for such serious actors. But mm. I mean, they weren't serious actors at the time. Right. So you kind of just like took what you could get and like took the recognition wherever you could find it. Um, everybody was also kind of confused about a superhero movie where none of the heroes wore bright primary colors. (laughs) That was another big deal is that they all wore black leather.
1: Oh, boring.
0: Yeah, well, it is boring, but you know, a lot of people were like, well, isn't that too edgy for a superhero movie? But again, it it ended up working. It ended up fitting the tone of the Uh movie a lot better than I think it would have if they did Even subdued colors, like a lot of Marvel movies do now, where they still take recognizable, you know, superhero suits and costumes, but they just kind of tone it down a little bit. So it's not like all spandex in bright primary colors. This was a huge success for Marvel, like a massive success. So in 2002, things started picking up speed. The first Spider-Man movie starring Tobey Maguire came out, and not only was it also surprisingly really good but it ended up getting nominated for two academy awards <laughs> they were they were for best sound and best visual effects and the movie didn't win either of them yeah but it was still a huge deal like yeah. here's a superhero movie that gets nominated for an oscar that's amazing So things were looking up, but then they kind of started to peter off again for a few years. Spider-Man and the X-Men movies were still coming out, and the second installment of each franchise was really good. And then the third installment was like, oh no, what are you guys doing?
1: (laughs) Come on, you were so close.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You could have kept going with what you had, Mm -hmm. and you instead decided to do whatever this pile of hot garbage is. (laughs) Hot garbage. (laughs) <laughs> and then there were some more big budget movies that ended up also being kind of eh. there was electra and daredevil uh, nick cage was actually in ghost rider he was the ghost rider
1: yeah
0: yeah and there was the first couple of fantastic four movies which is now memorable for having chris evans in it because he was the human torch and now he is captain america and if it weren't for the fact that the um, rights for the, the movie rights had been split up, he couldn't do that because <laughs> <laughs> there would be too much crossover. But it's okay because they're owned by two separate film studios. So he can...
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'd I'd actually be really interested to see if he could maybe possibly show up in um like a Spider-Man related movie since Sony owns that mm-hmm. and just have like this really weird crossover of like how many superhero franchises can Chris Evans show up in and right. be this like different guy.
1: <laughs> I'm willing I'm willing to, you know, follow that and see.
0: Well, I would be interested in the um conspiracy theories that oh, would yeah, come out after yeah, for that. Sure. <laughs> Cause you know the internet is all about the conspiracy mm-hmm. theories.
1: hmm I take part in that too.
0: Yeah. So Yeah, the ratio of memorable movies versus the ones that were kind of stinkers was, like, really kind of bad at that point. And then 2008 happened. (laughs) And the canon Marvel Cinematic Universe was established.
1: Yeah.
0: So this is um, a really timely episode because it has been uh, almost exactly, actually, 10 years since Iron Man came out. Cool. And, yeah... Uh, recently, the studio did what they called a class photo, which, I mean, it it is so, like, that, this is another thing that I'll post on the Twitter, but if you look up the uh, Marvel class photo on Google, you'll get this picture of, like, a whole bunch of the actors and actresses that have been in all of the movies for the last 10 years, plus, like, some of the directors and producers and, like people of note in the franchise and it is so like hollywood and hipstery (laughs) at the same time that i just kind of want to vomit (laughs) oh my because it's it's not in like a fancy decorated setup yeah it looks like they just took a soundstage and bleachers And, you know, they're all standing on the bleachers, but they're all posing. That's weird. You know, they're not grouped together like an actual class photo. They're all posing because they're all fancy Hollywood people. (laughs) And you look at, like, some of the, like decorations Mm -hmm. and you know that they're very deliberately placed it's not like they just took an empty sound studio and was like let's take a picture oh yeah let's take a picture in here like it was very deliberately made to look Uh, behind the scenes almost makes it worse and then oh (laughs) it gets worse and then it's almost like awkward family photo levels of matching because they're all wearing like blues and whites and neutral colors
1: what is going on
0: (laughs) and i think that they were all i don't know if they were all dressed by the same people or if they just got a memo saying like be sure to dress this way yeah but but brie larson actually stands out the most because she's wearing like a sky blue dress whereas everybody else is wearing navy blue and again like blacks and whites and creams and very neutral right. colors. And so she's just sticking out. And it was like, I, I appreciate, you know, her audacity to walk on and be right. like, nah, this is what I'm wearing. Totally. <laughs> Everybody look at me.
1: <laughs> yeah. It makes me think like, that they weren't dressed by the same person. It was just like, where were blues and whites and neutral colors? And she was just like, this is blue. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: this will do. Exactly.
0: Oh, and you know, they placed her, um, right in the middle too so like the eye is immediately drawn there <laughs>
1: uh-huh. i like that good for her
0: yeah so i appreciate it so yeah so 2008 was a very significant year for them and you know they kind of did this weird acknowledgement thing with this awkward family photo so we have to ask ourselves like what happened exactly in 2008 so there are two things that happened The first one was the Iron Man movie, and then the second one was the post-credits scene in The Incredible Hulk. Which is kind of weirdly specific, because it's not the movie as a whole. It's just that post-credits scene that was the most important part of that movie.
1: Mm -hmm. Iron Man, I
0: feel, is pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Because you've seen it, right? Yes. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. charmed the socks off of everyone that watched that movie and again that's kind of one of those things where like i am old enough to remember when it came out and how many people were like why on earth would marvel make an iron man movie like he has like three enemies in the comics who is he going to fight like we can literally just flip a coin and figure out who the enemy is going to be in this movie it's ridiculous and not only that but the character is not an inherently funny character yeah He's eccentric, but he also has a history of drug and alcohol abuse. And so there were a lot of people that were like, I don't know, like, it's kind of going to be weird if they address that. Yeah, Which I think it was a really good choice that they didn't do that. Sure. Robert Downey Jr., again, was just, like, really, really charming, really funny. Um, He starts off playing this character that is a fast-talking, selfish playboy millionaire with a devil-may-care attitude. Then he goes through the trauma of nearly getting blown up and then getting kidnapped by a terrorist group. He goes home, recovers, and then becomes a fast-talking, selfish playboy millionaire with a new sense of purpose. (laughs) (laughs) So this is so, so important for a couple of reasons. The first one is that so many heroes in superhero movies were just super angsty throughout the entire thing. You know, like, oh, their lives are so hard. And then they have to deal with their tragic backstory, oh, yeah. which makes their lives even more difficult. Yep. And they're all eventually just Batman wannabes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very similar. It's a really similar layout for a lot of them.
0: Yeah. And like, guess how many Batmans I want in my life? One. One. I want one Batman. Just one.
1: I think that's fair. I don't think the world can handle, well, apparently they can, but whatever.
0: (laughs) Whatever, yeah. The writers and Robert Downey Jr. didn't take that route.
1: There's a really
0: good balance of dramatic, touching moments, and then the moments that make you laugh out loud. Mm -hmm. So there's a scene near the beginning of the movie where he and his fellow prisoner, Jensen, try to break out using the first prototype of the Iron Man suit. But their captors catch on to their plans, and Yinsen ends up sacrificing himself so Tony can boot up the suit. Yinsen mm-hmm. dies, and in his last moments as they say goodbye to each other, you kind of get this feeling that it might actually be the first time in his adult life that Tony has ever had a completely th- selfless thought for someone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's just, it's really touching because you see the flashback of him being just so selfish and so egocentric, And you see the worry in his eyes for this man that, like, has gone through this trauma with him and who saved his life, really. Mm -hmm. And it's just so touching. And then, on the other hand, about 20 minutes later in the movie, we have Tony going through all of his Iron Man prototypes and failing with a lot of them. Mm -hmm. There's this montage that has him crashing into the ceiling and crashing into expensive cars and him threatening his assistant bots. And in a moment that I consider just genius comedic timing, getting a face full of fire extinguisher from one of the threatened bots. (laughs) Like, it's such a good scene. Yeah, it is. And a lot of people, I remember, talked about that movie and how it was really a major comeback for Robert Downey Jr. Because he had been in some really significant roles up to that point, but his drug and alcohol addictions had really... Kind of hindered that for mm. a while. And he had to go through rehab and he had to do a lot of, like, recovery stuff. And so I've heard a couple of people also bring up the point that maybe the reason why he does the role so well is because he actually very much empathizes yeah. with with Tony Stark. Oh, man. Who, as I mentioned in the comics, has drug and alcohol abuse problems. Yeah. Wow. So that was the first thing that happened in 2008. Um, there is an after credits sequence in Iron Man that introduces Nick Fury. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, which comic book nerds kind of flipped out over. Yeah. Most audience members were like... What? Cool. I like Sam Jackson, yeah. but like...
1: <laughs> so that was me. This
0: is literally... Like, how do you introduce a character after the movie is over? Yeah,
1: it's gutsy.
0: Like, that is just mind-bogglingly stupid. Yeah. For most like filmmakers, mm-hmm. like don't
1: do that. Don't do that. And now it's start like I don't know, did that start people not leaving the movie theaters until after the credits now? Yes and no. Uh Pirates of the
0: Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl did have an after credits sequence. Ah. I think that might be the first at least significant after credit sequence mm-hmm. uh in the last couple of decades so Not i mean i want to say yes and no but yeah like iron man definitely wasn't the first one yeah but it definitely was the first of the marvel cinematic universe to do that right so yeah this was like really really important because then in the next movie that came out that year which was the incredible hulk there was another after credit sequence Now, this one actually ended up being a little bit more important than even the one that was in Iron Man. Because the one in Iron Man was like, oh, there's Nick Fury. Mm -hmm. He's hinting that he wants to form the Avengers. The one in The Incredible Hulk shows General Ross, one of the antagonists, trying to drink his frustrations and failures away in a bar. The silhouette of Tony Stark appears in the doorway... And he strides in with his characteristic swagger and confidence. And he leans against the bar. And he tells the general, oh, I told you so. The two exchange some insults with each other before the general asks why Stark is approaching him. And Stark responds with, we're putting together a team. Ross asks, what kind of team? And Stark smiles before the scene cuts to black. <laughs> this is so genius on so many levels. Yeah. The first and most important one being that it reinforced the idea that this was going to be a very serious franchise with a lot of movies that interconnected with each other. Yeah,
1: and it took this, oh my gosh, and it's like 10 years in the making, too. It's crazy.
0: Right? Right? There had been a precedent for crossover in the Marvel films before. Jennifer Garner was in the Daredevil film as Elektra, and then she got her own movie a couple of years later. But even though, like, those were two feature-length films, this minute-and-a-half sequence was just far more significant. Uh, it, again, kind of nailed in that whole, like, hey, you've got to pay attention to this. Like, we're taking it seriously. But also, it ended up being kind of a tradition for, like, giving a little wink and a nod to comic book fans. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the post credit sequence... I'd say probably a good 50% of them, hint more at what's to come uh, in the franchise that comic book nerds would already n- like have the information for. And this would normally be very alienating to a lot of audiences. But for some reason, this has really worked out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that, this is a little bit of a tangent, I think that the age of smartphones actually really helps out with that. Yeah. <laughs> Because you can sit in the theater afterwards and be like, oh, who is this character that was just mentioned totally. just now? Totally,
1: yeah. It brings everyone together. It really does. There was a little bit of worry
0: uh, after that post credit sequence. Because people looked at it and they were like, oh, dang, like, they're for sure going to form an Avengers team and they want to do an Avengers movie, but... Like, who else is going to be on the Avengers team? How many Avengers are there going to be? And how many movies do we need to get there? Mm-hmm. If there's only one or two movies a year, Maybe. wouldn't it take, like, almost a decade to get an Avengers film? Oh, yeah. It ended up working out much better than that. Um, it only took four years to get to the first Avengers film. Right. Thanks to a strategy of what I'm going to... Reluctantly categorized as the primary and secondary Avengers. And I really don't like doing this because really all of the Avengers that were in that first movie have had their own solo runs in the comic Mm -hmm. uh, industry. So they really could have their own movies. But for the sake of actually like getting there, I kind of get it. So Black Widow was introduced in the second Iron Man film And Hawkeye was introduced in the first Thor film. And by doing that, they were able to just kind of expedite it and be like, okay, nope, we're going to get there. We're going to do this thing.
1: You know, I didn't watch, like, the third – I watched the second Iron Man. I didn't watch the third one, though. And I know that, like, they – a lot of people had the opinion that they got, like, better and better. Um, But I am curious, like, if (sighs) – I am. I don't know. I'm curious if it's worth. I'm curious what movies are worth my time in terms of like someone who isn't super into this but kind of maybe would want to dabble a little bit, you know, like, mm-hmm. cause I don't. I didn't like Captain America, and I didn't like, for some reason. And I, I Thor was kind of the same way. They seemed really like formulaic, and oh, which is kind of like a superhero kind of. Um, I wouldn't say it's a necessity, but you know. I think superheroes, they have, you know, their kind of character flaws to make the, I don't know, I guess I'm just wondering, I guess I'm just wondering if I were to watch like three or four of these movies, which ones, which ones would be the best for a novice, you know?
0: Sure. I am actually really sad that you didn't watch Iron Man 3, because it really is uh, a great film, particularly because people who experience anxiety got to see an anxiety attack on screen and just be like, oh my gosh, that's it. Like they nailed it. They really did nail it. Is it
1: Tony Stark that is freaking out?
0: Yeah, because this takes place after the first Avengers film. Mm -hmm. And in the first Avengers film, he takes his suit and he flies through this portal that's going into space, like with a nuclear warhead. Mm -hmm. And he's not sure that he's going to make it out alive. And he does, but it's a very traumatic experience for him. And so the third Iron Man film kind of has him dealing in part with...
1: PTSD, I mean, basically the PTSD,
0: yeah. And he has a panic attack at one point, and he's like, I have no idea what's going on. Because anybody who's had a panic attack before remembers their first one and thinking,
1: It's a heart attack. What is going
0: on? Like, yeah, I'm dying. I don't understand what's going on. So he goes and he, like, rushes out of this restaurant that he's in because he's in a meeting and he puts on his suit and he asks Jarvis, like, what's going on? And Jarvis is like, oh, you're having an anxiety attack. And he's like, no, I don't have anxiety. (laughs) No, actually, dude, you do.
1: (laughs) That's actually really cool. I had no idea. I... Yeah. Yeah, I... I, I guess it wouldn't be a horrible endeavor for me to try to start from beginning to end, you know, because I mean, in terms of fun, exciting movies that I could, you know, talk to talk to people about, these are the kind of movies that everyone is watching and, you know, has an opinion of, except mm-hmm. for the people that are watching them like me. <laughs> I It's like, there's a lot more, yeah, there's a lot more to it than I expected, honestly.
0: yeah. Yeah, there is and, uh, another fun part about the Iron Man 3 movie is that he spends a significant amount of the movie like with this kid that looks up to him. <laughs> oh, he ends no. up getting abandoned in like this you know middle of nowhere town without his suit. And this kid is like, "Oh my gosh, I love you so much. You can use my laboratory." And of course, like <laughs> they're just awful towards each other right. cuz Tony Stark's not He's a good guy. Though. He's not going to be like Oh, here's a kid, I should put on my kid gloves. He's like, Great No, this kid's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> go, go away. But he ends up, up sending the bit. kid like a bunch of really nice equipment yeah. <laughs> and stuff. So it's, it's a little heartwarming. <laughs> yeah. Uh the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, both of them are really, really good. Uh I keep forgetting how much I laugh during the first Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> movie until I watch it. I'm just like, oh my gosh. It's a lot like watching 30 Rock, um,
1: yeah. not
0: in not in like the overall tone, because they are two very different things. But you just end up like laughing so much where you're like, I forgot this was a joke. Yeah. There's so many jokes that you just forget about all of them until you rewatch them. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, when the jokes happen so quickly, you know, you're still recovering from the last one. You probably miss, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, a bunch. Yeah, that's that uh, that's interesting to know about it, too. I should give it another another watch yeah
0: Yeah, so i recommend that one uh if you're looking for something that's just a little bit more i don't know that's just different there's a lot that you can end up skipping Mm -hmm. i i don't know what to say about captain america the winter soldier because on the one hand like i'm not a huge captain america fan But on the other hand, it actually ended up being kind of like a Black Widow movie. Mm -hmm. She is such an important character throughout the whole thing that they could have called it the Black Widow movie and it would have been fine. Like, she is just as important as Captain America is. Uh, Age of Ultron is, it's good. It's fine. Ant-Man is funny, but not in the same way that Guardians of the Galaxy was. It's just, it's just average. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. and and I'm saying this as someone who really does enjoy the Marvel Cinematic yeah, Universe. I think that's clear. Ultimately, like, if you are going to watch them all from beginning to end, there are a lot of movies that you would have to go through.
1: Yeah, I. I suppose and there that's are true. some.
0: I, there are some that you can absolutely skip. Even big fans of the cinematic universe acknowledge that Thor The Dark World yeah. was just not that interesting. Yeah,
1: just in general, like, I'm just turned off by sequels, you know? But, I mean, Iron mm-hmm. Man, I'll definitely give all the rest of those a chance. But in terms of, like, Thor 2 and Captain America 2, I'm just like, wow.
0: Yeah. I understand. Some of the more recent movies have been really good. Uh-huh. Thor Ragnarok, which released last November, was fantastic yeah
1: that is what everyone said
0: yeah and it was funny and it was a little long but it's really interesting because it ended up being a incredible hulk and a thor movie kind of combined Uh so like the introduction is a thor movie but then you get to like the first act and it's all just incredible hulk right (laughs) And Thor ends up being a secondary character to Hulk, Weird. which is really interesting. Yeah. And then it gets to the second and third acts and it goes back to being a, a Thor movie uh-huh. again.
1: Interesting. Which I think is
0: really good because it's really hard to do a movie, I think, about the Incredible Hulk because he just he doesn't talk much, you know, mm-hmm. and I. I think it would take a really, really talented writer to be able to make a new Hulk movie that isn't just kind of boring. Right? <laughs> because it would just be a lot of punching things, right? Totally. Like, eh. which I
1: can be into for a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah, but probably just yeah. not
0: a whole movie. No, no thanks. Yeah, Black Panther, fantastic. Oh so, man, so so good.
1: I still haven't seen it it hurts my heart i know see it. i don't know i just it's yeah. just yeah i gotta go see it i'm obsessed i'm still obsessing over the soundtrack i gotta watch the movie behind it or you know watch the listening to the soundtrack whatever i don't know what i'm trying to say i just gotta go see it yeah a- yeah
0: for sure so now we're kind of caught up to the year that we are in mm-hmm. the year of our lord 2018 a.d <laughs> The Marvel Cinematic Universe is well-established as the most profitable American franchise ever to exist. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) They have so much that they can do and work with that it gets a little overwhelming.
1: Totally,
0: Where you kind of have to ask, like, what's part of the universe? Is there anything that isn't part of the universe? So, kind of... Little cheat that you can do to determine if it's part of the official cinematic universe or not is go to see Avengers Infinity Award. <laughs> and if there is a character in that movie, because from what I understand, they're all going to be in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> they're part of the universe. Yeah. They also have several Netflix shows, a show on Hulu, and three shows on ABC. And another one that's being shopped around, and those are also part of the cinematic universe, but on a much lesser level. So I'm not going to spend too much time on the TV shows, just because they don't generally have a huge impact Mm -hmm. on the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole. The Netflix shows include Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, The Iron Fist, and The Punisher. And all of those characters, except for the Punisher, were in the series, The Defenders, together. Oh, I see. And in the shows, there's a lot of allusions to the movies, but none of the characters from the movies are ever explicitly named. So you never hear Daredevil say, like, oh, well, like, I'm no Captain America or anything like that. It's not quite so heavy handed as that. Have you watched any of those shows? No, I
1: haven't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm learning so much.
0: Yeah, they are very, very dark shows. They have a very, yeah, they're (laughs) they have a very very different tone from the movies because the movies are supposed to kind of feel like you're actually watching a comic book Mm -hmm. on the screen. Yeah, you know, bright colors and (laughs) very quick dialogue and yeah. Whereas the TV shows, because they have that longer form. Uh, they generally last about, oh, about 13 episodes, uh, lasting about an hour each. They can move at a much slower pace. And some people have complained about the slower pace, saying like, oh, well, you know, it just doesn't get anywhere fast. But I actually think that it provides really good character studies. Mm-hmm. And I think we've talked about it before. I am a sucker for character oh, studies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just a little bit. Just 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 a little bit of a a
1: spoonful of plot. (laughs) I love that. I loved it.
0: And what would plot taste like? What would a spoonful of plot taste like? Um, I think it tastes like okay, so here's what I imagine, because I really love ice cream and I really love I really love vanilla.
1: Oh my gosh, I was gonna say vanilla ice cream! I'm serious. Like b- vanilla
0: bean. Like vanilla oh bean. Gosh. It has to be real vanilla. It just has
1: to give you like a little, it leaves you wanting more. Yeah. so And funny. so for me,
0: the uh, Netflix series are a big bowl of vanilla bean ice cream, which is character development. Yeah, that's so funny. And just a little spoonful of the uh, f- hot fudge plot.
1: Yeah, hot fudge plot. <laughs> 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 Yummy.
0: <laughs> now I will um, again reinforce the fact that they are extremely violent. Uh, there is one particular scene in the first season of Daredevil that a lot of people will refer to and be like, uh, "Like it, it's the new bar for violence." Mm-hmm. Basically, they're going to be like, "Well, is it like the car door scene?" And thankfully. Nothing is as bad as the car door scene, not not that I've seen yet, but it is real rough to watch. <laughs> it is incredibly difficult to watch. but I still really like the series. yeah, because totally. the characters are just so interesting to me. So because they are very dark and violent, I kind of get why the Marvel Studios wants to separate them from the movies. Because it would be really hard to, for parents in particular, to tell their kids, like, well, I know that you want to see Daredevil, like, do his own thing. You know, he can't just show up with the Avengers, Mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. Because, you know, you'll have the eight-year-old kids that are watching these movies, like, oh, where does Daredevil come from? And you don't want parents to be like, um, I really can't let you watch this.
1: Like, I Uh, super
0: can't let you watch this.
1: that will be a bummer for some kids, I guess.
0: Yeah, so I get it. Um, But at the same time, like, it would be nice for them to get a little bit more recognition, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, Moving on with other television shows, there was Agent Carter that got a couple of seasons on ABC. It was about Agent Peggy Carter from the first Captain America movie, if you remember her. Mm -hmm. And I thought the series was fine. I really tried to get into it because, again, like the principle of the matter was I really want to watch this awesome woman doing awesome things. And it even sets itself up as being like, hey, this takes place in the 50s when women in the workplace was like a brand new thing and people were horribly sexist. (laughs) And so she has to like make her way on her own. And I just, it just didn't rope me in, which is really disappointing. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is still going, and it has been going since 2013, so it's been really successful. I hear a lot of really good things about it, but as you may have picked up by now, I have a hard time getting into television shows in general.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I (laughs) understand that.
0: Yeah, I can neither endorse nor dissuade people from watching it, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. Marvel's Inhumans also aired on ABC, and it had a really low rating, but I do want to mention it for something that I'm going to get to in a couple of minutes here. The Inhumans exist. They're very important for my favorite superhero to exist. Then the Hulu series The Runaways has done really well. It's about a group of kids who discover that their parents are all supervillains. And so... They kind of run away together and they're like, how do we survive as kids and teenagers and also not like report our parents to the authorities because we still love them, but also they're really bad people (laughs) and they're just trying to deal with that. And later this year, we're getting a television series about the characters Cloak and Dagger, Hmm. which is based off of a couple of superheroes. Um, again, they're teenagers, so it's probably going to be like CW levels totally. of like, you know, teenagers looking at each other all angsty
1: like. Totally. You don't know me. You don't know my life. I can get into that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I have some angst yeah. too.
0: Yeah. And it's got some really interesting, um, like, visual elements to it. Uh, Cloak is a black teenager. He's a guy, and his powers revolve around basically being able to escape into kind of like a like void zone almost mm-hmm. and then reappear just wherever mm-hmm. so it's it's basically transportation and then uh dagger is a white girl who like basically can just make light into daggers. <laughs> like, that's it. Cool. I like <laughs> that's it. That's why she has the name daggers. She can turn light into daggers. So, you know, you've got, like, the black and white element going on there, and it looks really cool. And there is a um, trailer for that up already. Oh, cool. So if you want to look at that, Ta- I will also try to remember to link to that on the Twitter. Okay. Later this year, also, hopefully... And it may be later this year. It may be early next year. We're looking at a TV series called New Warriors. And this one I am super, 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 super excited about. Because the lead character is going to be Squirrel Girl. Oh, squirrel Girl! I love Squirrel Girl so much. Holy. So much. I'm going to do... um. Okay, hold on a second. Hi, folks. This is... The Squirrel Girl Fancast, a podcast within our podcast where we get to talk about our favorite (laughs) superheroine, Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl. (laughs) And it's great because she is a joke character, Mm -hmm. basically. And it's really unfortunate because I think that in the right hands, she... Is not a joke character. Which right now I think she is in the right hands. She has a solo comic series. It's written by Ryan North. Who has written a lot of uh, my favorite things. He has a comic online called Dinosaur Comics. He basically takes the same five panels. But writes different dialogue in mm-hmm. it every single day. It's genius. I love it. And Squirrel Girl is also genius. And I also love it. Yeah. And... Her so that's her superhero name. Her civilian name is Doreen Green. I'm not kidding. Doreen. Doreen Green. So funny. And in the comics, she ends up with a couple of superhero buddies called Koi Boy and Chipmunk Hunk. Oh my gosh, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so funny.
1: It's so cute. One of the
0: Oh my gosh, I love it so much. One of the first villains that she fights in her solo series is Galactus, who is the devourer of worlds. He is actually so humongous that he could eat the earth in a single bite. And that's just what he does. Like, he is beyond the level of God. Like, he is a force of nature in the comics. You don't fight Galactus. You just try and direct him in the opposite direction. That's a
1: scary villain!
0: Yeah, yeah. I like that. But uh, given that Squirrel Girl is actually the unbeatable Squirrel Girl, she figures out how to uh, basically point him in the opposite direction and just be like, "Hey, if you're hungry, go yonder. Here's a planet. Here's a planet that is uninhabited, but has nothing but nuts on it. She would know. (laughs) Just eat eat nuts. (laughs) Yeah, she's so great.
1: That's so funny."
0: What was I? Oh, that's right. I brought this up because she is going to be the star of the New Warriors TV show, which will also be about teenagers because she is a very young character and there will be other teenage heroes, but I don't really care about who they are because uh, Squirrel Girl. Yeah, Squirrel Girl. (laughs) (laughs) So, the current state of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, state of the MCU, address here. (laughs) No, I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that sounds miserable. So now here we are again, a couple of weeks before this big movie releases, and uh, the big question is for most people who don't know comics, who is this Thanos guy, and why does he want all of the Infinity Stones? <laughs> If you've watched some of the previous films, you know that the Infinity Stones have made their own appearances in various movies, and there's like I think five out of the six that have made an appearance. So we know where most of them are, and we know that's what he wants because that's what he wants in the comics, and you know the the trailer shows him wearing this huge gauntlet on his hand, this huge gaudy gold gauntlet God, he's so obnoxious <laughs> <laughs> so obnoxious he wants the infinity stones because he wants to kill everyone and everything but not for a power grab he has a weird fascination with death he is in love with death and you have to understand that it's not the idea of death There is actually a death personified in this universe, and he is in love with her. Aww. And it sounds really sweet until you realize that she just doesn't really care about him Mm. (laughs) at all. It's too bad. She's like, dude, just chill. Just chill out. Well, it's kind of like, imagine... Imagine if somebody was trying to win you over, Carmen, and he brought you a new kitten every day because he knows that you like cats. But after about seven days, you're gonna be like, "I don't need any more cats." Okay, I'm I'm good. But he keeps bringing you cats. Okay. Well, it's kind of like that. (laughs) Okay,
1: I understand. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. After about after about twenty five days of that, I'd get pretty sick of it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> You'd be like i can't 25 is can't my even. limit <laughs> that's a pretty high limit carmen oh no, no, no
1: let's not get into that
0: i'm actually a little worried do we need to have like some sort of cat intervention no no you?
1: because you see in the future i'll have a house big enough to house all of them so it won't even be a big deal okay they'll have their own just... little wings and everything <laughs> what <laughs> this... cat mansion tm <laughs> Uh, No,
0: who's going to change all of the litter? Are you going to change 25 cats' litters? Yeah. Okay. All right. If you're down for that. Sure,
1: man. You know, it's just it comes with the territory. I'll also sleep in a bed full of cats, so...
0: (laughs) That sounds really hairy and also very sharp. Stop killing my dream, Audrey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I do not mean to kill your dream. You should live your dream. That's all
1: right. You're invited. I just
0: that. That's my first thought. Is like, oh yeah, that would be the
1: worst. Sounds
0: really fuzzy and sharp. Well,
1: also my second thought is being woken up in the morning at four a.m. by twenty-five cats that want to be fed. (laughs) Oh no! Doesn't sound nice. (laughs) Just this cacophony of meows. Oh no! Oh, that's
0: awful. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. It it just it wouldn't be good. And likewise with death she is just not really impressed with, with all of thanos's uh shenanigans <laughs> and we can actually be pretty confident that that is what his aim is is to attract death because after the first avengers movie as the aliens are reporting to thanos about you know how they weren't able to take over the earth uh, the alien says that to Fight against these people is to court death. Mm. And you see Thanos just kind of turn around just a little bit. So you see a little bit of his profile and he grins really wide. Yikes. And now this was back in 2012. So it's been kind of a long time in the making. And it's really impressive that they stuck with this for this long. But at the same time, like Thanos is kind of the big bad guy in the marvel universe in in the comics universe like he's the guy that no single hero can actually defeat because he is so powerful and so aggressive and so devastating that you're not supposed to be able to beat him on your own unless you're squirrel girl squirrel girl (laughs) because she is the unbeatable squirrel girl and she has actually beat him before
1: that's awesome (laughs)
0: no so i mean that's who he's supposed to be but really he's just like of course he's defeated because the bad good guy, guys yeah. always win you know he's a bad guy. bad guy so it brings us to this next point which is will infinity war even be a good movie because from a cinematic point of view there are a couple of um worries to to take into consideration the first one being how do you deal with a cast that massively huge i mean we're talking about a movie where you know a whole bunch of primary and secondary characters have had their own films and they've had their own story arcs who do you decide gets the attention in this film you know totally and man the second question is If we already know that Thanos is going to be defeated, what are the stakes? Because you have to come up with something really, really interesting in order to get... So I know that one of the things that they're going to focus on is the romance between the Scarlet Witch and uh, Vision. Okay. Um, They are together. They are a couple in the comic books. And they haven't quite gotten together yet in the movie universe. Mm -hmm. But they've very much hinted at the fact that, like, hey, these two have the thoughts for each other. Unfortunately, Vision has an Infinity Stone in his forehead that actually, like, kind of gave him life. So I could see that being kind of an interesting driving force. Because the thing that has made Marvel more interesting to a lot of people than the DC Universe is that... Marvel storylines tend to focus more on, like, smaller-scale stuff, you know? Spider-Man has New York City, and Tony Stark tends to focus a little bit more on political stuff, not, like, this galactic-level stuff. Even Captain America, who is supposed to be, like, the strongest guy, he doesn't deal with stuff that's going to threaten the entire country, Mm -hmm. even like a lot of these conflicts are kind of concentrated in smaller areas. Right. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how they can make a actual galactic conflict interesting. That's that's not Marvel's Wheelhouse. You know, that's that's what DC does with Superman being an actual alien mm-hmm. and Green Lantern being part of a galactic organization of peacekeepers <laughs> and the Martian Manhunter again an alien. <laughs> anyway, so I hope it ends up being a good movie because we've got some other movies coming up that I just really want to see. I'm actually really excited about Black Panther naturally has had a sequel ordered for it because oh my goodness it is so good. Oh,
1: yes. Oh yes. <laughs>
0: We also have the Captain Marvel movie coming up, which a lot of people assume that Captain Marvel is a dude. She is not. Mm -hmm. Captain Marvel is very much a woman, and I am very excited.
1: (laughs) Me too. Yeah. She
0: is going to be played by Brie Larson, who I mentioned earlier is in the, uh, you know, 10-year class photo.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, did they include her even though the movie's not released yet? I, I mean, I guess it's made. It's it's completely finished at this point. Um, but A lot of
0: people think that she's actually going to be in Infinity War. I see. And that they're just kind of keeping her scenes, like, very tightly under wraps. Sure. There is a trailer that they released that you see Captain America walking with a few other of the Avengers. And, like, kind of in the gap between his torso and his arm, like, as he's walking, you can see a little bit of what looks like another person uh-huh. <laughs> wearing something that looks a lot like Captain Marvel's outfit. So I
1: love that you have, like, looked into this and, like, zoomed I, in. And, like, is, that, is that Captain Marvel? You
0: have no idea how freaking stoked I am for it's awesome. this. <laughs> I am there. I am on top of all of this, like you know, trailer detail, like, let's analyze it. Let's see how many different Easter eggs we can find.
1: It's so much fun.
0: (laughs) I really love it. So I'm excited for that. I am just, I am so excited that the franchise seems to be moving away from the snarky white dude trope. (laughs) Because when it comes down to it, like, I don't need another Captain America movie or another Iron Man movie. Yeah. I don't even really want another Doctor Strange movie to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just a more snarky white dude. Yeah. Like it's so it's boring. It's funny it
1: just uh, gets played out after a while.
0: It really does. So it's refreshing like first of all Black Panther was really refreshing. Captain Marvel, I'm super super excited for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 has been ordered um and I just really like that group of people totally, yeah. in general. <laughs> yeah, like they're, they're just really they funny. They just
1: really work well together.
0: <laughs> they really do. I did also mention that I was going to talk about the Inhumans again. And I, I just kind of want to end on this note because things are kind of converging to hopefully create my favorite all-time character. I know I said it was Squirrel Girl, but... I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. Doreen. You're actually my second favorite comic books character. Ah. My first favorite comics book character is actually Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Ms. Marvel. And she is a huge fan of Captain Marvel. And she also has inhuman genes in her DNA. Mm -hmm. So she gets exposed to a mist that kind of like makes those genes a little bit more dominant Mm -hmm. and she becomes Ms. Marvel and she is so freaking cool. And she is so relatable on so many levels. (laughs) She likes playing online games with her friends and she loves her family and she likes her culture and her religion because she is Muslim, but she also struggles with like a lot of the, um, discrimination that she gets in school and like the bullying that she has to deal with and it's just so relatable even if you're not like a Muslim if you've ever experienced any sort of like bullying or discrimination because there is something about you that is different like it's done in a way for everybody to look at that and be like oh my gosh I know how she feels
1: oh that's nice and I just
0: I love it so much she's an awesome teenage girl she uses slang that is actually relatable it doesn't feel forced yeah. for christmas i asked nick to get me the uh, first volume of the omnibus because i was like i need this in my house <laughs> i just i have to have these comics in my Holy. house they're just so good her first superhero team up is with wolverine and she takes a selfie with him
1: <laughs> because
0: she's like
1: this is awesome That's so cute
0: it's so adorable So I, like, I know there's a lot of people that feel like superhero movies are played out and that Marvel movies in particular just kind of need to stop what they're doing. But I actually have a lot of hope for the future because, again, because of Black Panther, because of Captain Marvel, because of Guardians of the Galaxy. There's so many interesting, diverse characters that we can get to. We've just got to get there first. I, you know, I need Ms. Marvel. I need her to team up with Peter Parker. I really do. (laughs) I need these two, like, fun, you know, funny teens just teaming up with each other. And protecting their cities.
1: I need it too. I just,
0: uh, I need it so much. (laughs) So, there's my hour and a half long rant. About
1: the... (laughs) It's, it, Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's all right. It's cool. It's it's <laughs> got so much more to it than I ever expected. Really, I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I I've, I've been making plans to see Black Panther for so long. I just needed. I don't know. I need to get back into movies. I keep thinking about getting this movie pass thing that everyone's talking about, and I think maybe if I get it, it might it might incentivize me to go see more movies. You know, and maybe get me into the Marvel universe a little bit more so i can look for easter eggs and trailers and pause and <laughs> scrub and <laughs>
0: yeah it's good and i think that black panther would be a really good place to start out with because it's not even though it's the first solo movie he has it's not an origin film which i really really love mm-hmm. because the origin films i feel like are also really played out
1: right totally
0: a lot of these origin films are written in a way Where the hero thinks that they have one place in the world, but then they realize that they have to take on more responsibilities than they thought they needed to. Mm -hmm. And it's them, like, coming into that responsibility and struggling and, like, trying to find their place. T'Challa already has accepted that he has a great deal of responsibility. He is the new king of Wakanda. And he, like, knows exactly how much weight that carries the conflict is not him coming to terms with that responsibility, but trying to figure out what specifically that responsibility is. Right. It's him trying to define it. He has a lot of conflicting views coming from his advisors on how he should handle certain issues. And even with the main antagonist telling him that he's going about ruling Wakanda all wrong. Right. And it's a beautiful movie about doing your best... Maybe failing in certain aspects, but then learning from that and deciding for yourself what you're going to do Mm -hmm. rather than being like, oh, no, this is the right thing, you Mm -hmm. know, capital, the right thing, (laughs) whatever that is for whatever hero you're talking about. Uh (laughs) So it's it's really good. And I can't remember if I've mentioned before, it's a really interesting movie in that there's like really no spoilers it's, it's again, a character study. So, surprise, surprise, surprise. that I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ugh. So, go, go see it. And then go see Infinity War, even if it ends up being a stinker, because yeah. it looks like Captain Marvel's going to be in yeah. it. So, go see it for, for sure. however much screen time of, of Captain Marvel you'll well, get. Well, and I'd
1: like to start, I'd like to go <laughs> see Guardians of the Galaxy again, especially, and um, the second one as well. I want to get back into mm-hmm. that kind of... Uh, those were just, I, I remember laughing a lot in the theater watching Yeah.
0: One. Yeah, they're super funny.
1: I need that. I need that humor, you know? Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah, I get it. I get it. You need to laugh.
1: <laughs>
0: <You> gotta. <laughs> that was like a honk laugh. <laughs> oh, that was really good. I appreciate that. I'm gonna make that my ringtone Yay!
1: for my uh, for well, it has text, to be for me. text notifications. It has to be for me only. That's only when you get text from me. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for recording with me today, Carmen. Yes, it's been informative. And for those who are maybe wondering, where this Twitter is that I have been talking about? You can find it at Kittens and Kanye
1: and at Kitten Whiskers and Kanye on Instagram,
0: where Carmen will post some pictures of oh,
1: whatever. Yeah, I maybe she'll find something yeah. funny. I, I, yeah, I have, I have some ideas. I need to. I know I keep saying it. I need to keep up with it. I just, I don't post on my own Instagram, let alone a. You <laughs> yeah. <know.
0: laughs> I feel you. I'll ya. try.
1: I'll try. I promise. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so on that note, I'm Audrey Stratton.
1: I'm Carmen Thorley.
0: And this has been Kitten Whiskers
1: and Kanye. <laughs> and I'm going to go eat some Easter dinner.